Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree. Oh, Tuesday, the 16th of June, 2020. Good sip. Good tea. I got a lot to get through today. Fucking my pa- I'm sitting right in front of a mirror and I just <laughs> sat down and put my leg, like, you know, spread my legs like a fucking big boy. And uh, there's a big fat ass ripping these pants. <laughs> I got a lot to get through this week, man. Um, I say that now, and then watch me pull up short at fucking twenty five minutes or something. I feel, um, you know what? This everything I've said so far is stuff that I said to myself in my head as I was walking to the toilet just now. I, I, how do you guys feel? How's your week going? I hope you're going good. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope. Um, I hope everyone in Victoria in Australia is looking forward to the lockdown laws slowly easing. I am feeling pretty good, I reckon. I did uh, the third of my um, like hosted comedy in the shed last night. To another sellout crowd of 12. Uh, fuck, that was a good show, man. So much fun. Thanks again to everyone who came to that to- uh, a big uh, special thanks to Travis, who posted some lovely shit about the show before and after on Twitter, and uh, really felt good. Like he said something about, uh, oh wait, maybe I'll fucking pull up the tweet because it really made me feel good. And I said that to him, and then I realized how weird it is to be like, "Hey, man, that made me feel good." <laughs> like, <laughs> where is it? Uh, uh, um, he said. Uh, do, 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 I'm going to see live comedy tomorrow night and I actually cried a little booking the ticket. For people in Brunswick, at AJ Taco is hosting some incredible lineups every Monday night. Tickets are free but limited and a great chance to see some of the best comedians Melbourne has to offer. And I really appreciated that um, AJ Taco is hosting some incredible lineups every Monday night. I just like, I, I was like, I, yeah, they are good lineups, aren't they? There's some fucking sick comedians on the lineups. I feel very proud and and lucky to be in a position where like I know these people and they I guess have like enough respect or trust or whatever in me to come and perform a show in my shed. Like what an insane proposition, you know? Um so I've and it was real nice to have someone acknowledge that they are crazy lineups and he rocked up and I introduced myself and I said like man that made me feel real good and then immediately was like acknowledged like fuck that's an insane thing to say isn't it hey you know that nice tweet you tweeted that made me feel good it's it's wild that it has to be about my feelings I think it always has to be about my feelings that's a good place to start isn't it for the pod this week oh I guess I could start here. I t- uh, last week I spoke about the Black Lives Matter protest and um, how that was kind of tied up in uh, my feelings of going through the breakup that happened last Sunday, and I uh, got a message on uh, what day was that? On the Wednesday um, from my homeboy Brendan, who is a regular listener to the podcast and has been a big supporter of the podcast for uh, years, I reckon. As long as I've been doing it, he's told me that he's loved it. And uh, he messaged me on Instagram, Aiden Jones Comedy, by the way, if anyone wants to message me some shit about the pod. He said, 
I got to say, man, really having a hard time listening to you talk about the rally on the pod right now. Had to pull over to write this. Ha ha. <laughs> Do I say the ha ha's when I'm reading messages or whatever? I'm going to try and be as articulate as possible, but please don't think I'm coming at your neck. But dot, dot, dot. I think it says a lot that the only thing I'm hearing you get passionate about is that people were yelling at cops. Like that's firing you up. I want to see you get 10 times as mad for the injustices that police and the system reinforce constantly. Sure, maybe some of the people at the rally were yelling at cops just because like, yeah, a cab brother, but most were yelling because those people are fucking fed up and yeah, they see these cunts lined up protecting their little precinct and like, yeah, fuck those cunts. This is the pot boiling over. I can't believe I'm hearing you say that these specific cops are, quote, good cops. When one, you don't actually know that. And two, it's what they represent. The people yelling at them aren't dummies. They know these specific cops, dot, 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 might not necessarily be bad, but they don't give a fuck in that moment and nor should they. Also, when you mention that article, you're doing that thing. Like, okay, black people kill black people. Yeah, of course. But that's not where the magnifying glass needs to be right now. Also, and you kind of brushed on this, but it's, but it's the broken system that is causing all this fucked shit. Couldn't believe I was hearing you pretty much say, hey, black people kill black people too, you know? Not all indigenous people are killed by white cops. Yes, true. But so many, but too many are. Anyways, I love you, but I was kind of getting mad. Ha <laughs> ha. And then uh, a few other, th- like, that was the main bulk of the message. Fuck. That's a lot to open up the podcast with, isn't it? I still don't feel like I'm fucking settled into this this week yet. But um, yeah, that kind of hit me real hard. And I called him and spoke to him. We had a great chat about it. I mean, Brendan's a... I actually, the first thing I said, or like one of the things I said in the conversation was it's uh, very interesting to get that message from someone who's like a, a dear friend. And uh, like, I guess those were the things, the same things that, the girl I was seeing and and to a lesser extent her friends were saying on the day, you know, all the same kind of vibe of stuff. And I think I maybe brushed over it on the podcast because I do this thing where I assume that everyone already knows where I'm coming. Like maybe I didn't give enough weight to the fact that like, that I'm angry about that stuff, maybe, or maybe I don't, ah, maybe I don't feel angry, and maybe that's what I, I, I was kind of trying to say, like, I understand that people are angry, and I just, I don't feel that anger about everything that's happened, and it's kind of a bummer to me that I don't feel it, like, I wish I did, because I know all this stuff is bad, and fuck, man, I mean, I haven't watched the fucking George Floyd video, and maybe I should, I still, I don't know, do you reckon I should watch it? I don't, I, I want to say I feel like I get it, but I know I don't get it until I've watched it. But there's something I just, I've, I guess I've fucking been putting off watching it. Maybe I should just watch it. Um, but yeah, I, f- I feel like uh, I don't feel the same anger that those people are feeling. And I guess what I was trying to say last week, also, I don't remember saying that those cops were good cops. And I listened back to the podcast and I didn't hear myself say it. Maybe I did. Maybe I missed it. But I don't think those cops were good cops. They're just cops and... Uh, something that Brendan and I spoke about was that it is inherently like a political decision to even become a cop, isn't it? Because in doing that, you're making a choice. And I think you do. uh, It's really not a cut and dry issue ever, is it? But 
it's tempting to say like you're always making a decision in terms of a job. If you take a job, then like there's always another job that you can get. But I mean, fuck, maybe there's not. Maybe anecdotally, there might be a situation someone might be listening to this or I might have a conversation with someone where they spell a situation out to me where it's like they literally had no choice but to become a cop if they wanted to get money to feed their family or whatever they needed money for. But, um, yeah, I guess ideologically, the decision to become a cop is like more political than any other, well, almost any other job you could possibly take. And so just by being there and, and wearing that uniform, you are, um, yeah, I thought about my attitude towards like, I think this is my way of letting myself off the hook for being a dick to people. But when telemarketers call me and they're like, you know, trying to sell me some fucking <laughs> whatever, like, hey, do you want to change phone companies or internet or like, uh, oh, I used to have a bit about that. Some guy called me trying to sell me life insurance. That's right. <laughs> he went, do you want life insurance? And it's only five bucks a week. And I was like, I can't afford five bucks a week. And he was just like, you can't afford five. I'm like, no, do I win if I can't afford that? Because I can't. Because at the time I was fucking super poor. Um, but my whole... Uh, I just, I guess I enjoy being a dick to those people because I, maybe I'm angry, you know, in my day-to-day life and I'm looking for someone to vent at. And so when someone calls me unsolicited and tries to sell me something, I don't feel that bad just going, hey man, no, don't call here again. Like being really firm and blunt in a way that I wouldn't with anyone else in my life. Um, and uh, fuck, what point was I trying to get at? Yeah, I, my, my justification always has been and I think this is actually flawed now but for a long time I used to say like you know fuck those people because if they didn't want to get yelled at then they wouldn't take that job and like, <laughs> I almost said like me yelling at a salesperson is my <laughs> way <laughs> this is so fucking narcissistic me unloading my anger on a salesperson is like my way of um of like making their job difficult because it should be difficult because they shouldn't want to do it. So I'm trying to push them out of a job that is like shitty for society by being angry at them. That was my justification for for being rude and mean to a person rather than just accept like, hey man, maybe you need to deal with your emotions better and not call the, uh, not 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 take them out on the first person who calls you and you don't know their names. <laughs> what kind of a person am I that someone's going to call me? And they're just doing their job and I'm like, finally, fuck you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know that I um, I don't know that I 100% agree with the idea that someone who's a cop has made a decision that makes them a target for that kind of abuse just by being a cop. I wouldn't say that I completely agree with someone being a cop either. Um, the story that I told those girls that day on the um at the protest when I was talking about the guy who was a captain of my uh, high school soccer team, and he years later I met him after one of my shows, and he was a cop. I think what I was trying to say with that story was like he was a good guy, but also I felt conflicted about the fact that he was a cop because like I just yeah I don't think that's the greatest thing to do. I'm 
I don't know anyone. I'm not really close with anyone who is a cop, but if I was, I would like to think that I would challenge them on that um, because I don't think that's a great thing to want to be. Like, you can be other shit in the community, man, if you want to help. The kinds of things that people give uh, or that I've heard people give or rhetorically people kind of give as reasons for going into the police force are like helping disadvantaged communities, keeping people safe and addressing the problems in our society, like violent crime or whatever. If you really want to address that kind of stuff, you really like getting a fucking uh, badge and a gun is the way to do that. No, surely going into mental health or in the justice system and trying to be a, a more of a fucking like a cool head in that system is a much more effective way of doing it. Um, rather than going out there and it feels like someone who's going to be a cop is like looking for a bit of that power trip because it's a very obvious way to exercise power. Or maybe they didn't have the grades to go into that. I don't know. There's probably some good ones. There's probably some bad ones, whatever. It's not that fucking cut and dry. I wouldn't agree with anyone going and being a cop, but at the same time, I don't know. If you're out there at the protest yelling at those cops, fine. I don't, I'm not going to say you're a bad person for doing that, but I really think unless you're a black or indigenous person, if you're a white person going out there and yelling at those cops during that protest, I really think afterwards at some point you've got to look at your own emotional state and ask yourself why that felt comfortable for you. And fuck, man, maybe, maybe this is because I don't feel that anger and so I don't understand it. Maybe you ask yourself those questions and you realize, you know what? Yes, I am actually really angry about that and that's all it was about. And it's, it was just about the the awful things that have happened to these people. That's the only reason I was yelling there. But um, I just, I don't know, man. I find it, maybe I'm fucking wrong here. Someone message me if you really think this is wrong, but I've, Surely, like, manage your emotions better. I'm not good at it. I can't do that. And that's why I understand why people get angry at shit. That's not the thing that I was angry about. But evidently, salespeople calling me is a thing that I get angry about. And so I <laughs> fail to manage my emotions in that context. But um, I think if you're getting angry at people, you really got to take a look at yourself and go, why am I getting angry and how can I mitigate that in the future? Because it can't just be good enough. It can't be good enough to just go, I'm right, that's what's up, and I'm just going to keep doing this. Because I don't think getting angry, if like it's just not that constructive. It's not the thing that we're trying to do. Everything, this is another thing me and Brendan talked about, was everything that I read and he read as well leading up to the day on Instagram, people that were posting stuff and whatever, all of the guidelines for white people at the protest said, white people, your job is not to yell slogans, you're not starting any chants, you're just jo- joining in maybe if you feel comfortable. Um, but more than that, you're just there in solidarity and in, in silent support of the communities that were like the victims of this fucking awful treatment. <sighs> And if you, I remember reading something that said, if you talk to the press, don't, if the press talk to you, don't say anything. You don't have any comment. You just say, I'm here in silent support. Thank you. And, um, that's everything that I read. And that's why I went there. And even there was some stuff saying like the, the black power salute, the fist thing, don't hold that up. 
and uh, because it's not your thing. And I, I think someone on the day on stage said, uh, everyone hold it up, even if you're white, hold it up. But I, to be honest, couldn't hear that and I just didn't feel comfortable doing it or whatever. Um, but it felt like the day was just, I reiterate from last week, the day was just about going, being there in support, listening to what the people speaking had to say and um, just trying to lend your body in support of the cause and it felt to me that the people who were getting angry, even if their anger is justified and even if it's uncontrolled, like I just, I, I just did, I didn't want, I, it didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me that it feels like any anger is, uh, here's, here's why actually, here's why my opinion on this is ultimately invalid is because I was too caught up in the uh, breakup and the emotions of that that I was having that day with that girl. I was too caught up in all of that to notice when I looked at the people yelling at the cops what the racial makeup of that crowd was because uh, if it were a lot of white people doing it, then I think I would feel a lot better in saying they shouldn't have been doing that. But if there were a lot of Indigenous people and black people yelling at the cops, I'd think I'd be more inclined to say, okay, that was probably uh, like legitimate and justified anger about the situation rather than white people co-opting the anger of an oppressed people and, and using it as a, an excuse to express their own anger, right? I didn't have a look. I didn't look because I wasn't thinking clearly about the day. I didn't look and, and make a point of noticing what race the people were that were standing there yelling at those cops. And maybe I should, I probably should have but I was too caught up in the emotions of breaking up with this girl and, um, you know, trying to I, – I was too caught up in um, sh- her not wanting me to be there and me not wanting to admit that she didn't want me to be there and, and uh, you know, everything that went with that. Anyway, thank you, Brendan, for messaging me about that. And uh, I know we had that conversation and it was a really fucking cool conversation. I think he pulled me up on the right thing. I think he was right in messaging me and pulling me up. If anyone else has anything that they would like to say to me or think they can add to this, especially if you're an Indigenous or black person, I would love to fucking hear from you. If one of my 54 listeners is is that, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? 54 but diverse listenership. <laughs> mm. The cool thing about hearing from Brendan was, um, as I said later to him on the phone, was like, it's cool to hear from a, a dear friend about this and someone who's not the people that I was there with that I felt like ways about personally that kind of stopped me from being able to hear what they were saying about the issue because Brendan is a person who I just couldn't ignore. I just I respect him too much to be able to just write him off and go, ah, oh, he's a fucking idiot, you know? <laughs> like I was able to write it off with the people that I was there with because I was like, this is more about us personally than about the um the events of the protest and that was incorrect of me to do so because i didn't listen to the things that they were saying but when brendan called me i was like oh he no he's actually just making some great points (laughs) oh my god all right that's that out the way i got um i got what do i want to talk about next i got some fucking killer stories this week like speaking of the breakup i went to um Dinner with, uh, oh, do I want to do that? Yeah, I'll tell that story now. I went to dinner. I'll, I'll talk about, maybe this will be the picture for this week. will be, um, <sighs> God, I'm so fucking emotional, man. How far are we in? Almost 20 minutes? 
So we've got a bunch of fucking shit I want to talk about. Um, I went to dinner with Luca at uh, Transformer this week. And uh, the picture this week is going to be me and Luca standing next to each other because this girl that I'd been seeing, I booked, she was a vegan. She was a vegan. She's dead now, but she was. <laughs> she lived her life <laughs> as a vegan. <laughs> and unfortunately, it led to her demise because uh, vegans, famously, not a lot of, uh, you know, all the jokes that people make about vegans, whatever. <laughs> I'm fuck. I'm so not okay with it still. I'm so fucking... Thinking about it a bunch, trying to mull over how am I, you know, uh, what can I do, what what can I do better from, um, still the whole thing of me emotionally dumping stuff on someone who I'm close with and feeling entitled to their emotional support rather than asking for it. It's all fucking there, man. It's all there! I've taken inventory of my emotions and I am now counting through them! <coughs> Ugh. So me and uh, Luca went for dinner last week because I booked for me and this girl a uh, table for two at Transformer. I checked for her that she had the night off. I wasn't telling her where. I bought brand new clothes, pants, suit, shirt, and I was going to suit up. What did I say? Pants, suit, shirt? Pants, jacket, like a suit jacket, you know? And... um, yeah, I was so ready. I was going to buy... I was like, man, I mean, I just love doing romantic shit. It's nice. Once you find someone that you're comfortable doing that stuff with, for me, once I find that person, I'm like, fucking let's do all of that shit, man, because I got it in me. I want to just... Bleh, you know? I was going to rock up at her house in an Uber and uh, rock up with flowers and not tell her where we were going and just get there I told her to wear like a nice dress and it was going to be all lovely and then we broke up and one of the first calls I made was to Luca just going, hey man, what are you doing on Thursday? Can you please come with me to this thing because I've booked it and I've it's like $100 for two people. You got to prepay in case you don't show up and uh, yeah, I fucking, I was just like, please come with me because I can't. It would have been such a bummer if I had had no one to go with, and there's only a handful of people that I feel comfortable going to a thing like that with, and Luca's one of them, and and uh, it just would have been so brutal if I didn't have anyone to go with, and the night arrived, and I'm like, do I go by myself, or the clothes, I hadn't worn the clothes, I bought the clothes like a week and a half earlier, and I had not worn them, because I'm like, that's for that night, They've, this is the first time, you know, that I'm going to wear all that stuff, and I just want to look good. And he agreed to go with me and he was like, do you need me to wear a suit? And I was like, please wear a suit. (laughs) Yes, please, I do. And we got there and we had a fantastic dinner, man. Just like the kind of night that um, you can't really plan or legislate for that kind of evening, you know, but it just felt great and the food was fantastic and we made a bit of fun of the waiter because he was a bit uncomfortable and that was fun and it just was great chatting about everything in each other's lives and um and then the plan was, and this will prove to you that I'm still not quite fucking over this shit yet. <laughs> this is so childish. Mm-mm-mm. The girl knew that I was going to surprise her, but she didn't know what. And I didn't tell her after we broke up. I just was like, okay, so, you know, you coming to my show on Monday is off and you coming, uh, us doing that thing on Thursday is off. All right. I like just kind of made that clear and I made sure that that, yeah was known and then um at the end of the night i said luca i just can we take a photo 
and I was going to put it up on Instagram and tag him and I. <laughs> tag us a Transformer. It's us wearing suits. It's me wearing a suit. Very important. And um, so we get this uh, French lady who's the uh, one of the, she's like the lady standing at the door taking people's names and bookings and stuff. And the place was just closing up. And uh, and I ask her, hey, can you take a photo of us? We stand against this wall and she's trying, which she was so cool about it and was like, yeah, I'll take the photo. And then she gets my phone. She gets her phone as a light source. So she's holding my phone in one hand, hers in the other hand and like kind of struggling through taking the photo. And she took three. I don't know. I, look, I, this is so fucking crazy to me. When I take photos for someone, if a group is like, hey, can you take a photo for us? I just take like a million. Take so many. It doesn't matter. But she was there, standing there, trying to do like her phone as a light and my phone. And I was like, oh, that's cool. She's doing it all pro. And she stood there for a few minutes and then came back with three photos. And they were all so bad. They were so blurry and like the wall and everything. And she tried again, so blurry, couldn't get it. And Luca was like, are these fine? And I was like, no, man, like, please, I'm sorry. But like, I need a sick photo to put it on Instagram to rub it in this girl's face. <laughs> oh, God, that is pathetic, isn't it? Um, and um, she had to go back and deal with more people who were leaving and settling up their bills. And so me and Luca just stood there for another like five minutes with the rest of the staff awkwardly walking past us like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And I got Luca to take some test photos and stuff and then uh, – we found a different backdrop. I took some photos of Luca standing there with the girl against the wall and she was like, look, it's not just me. And I'm like, no, it is blurry. Maybe this backdrop. And she took some more and they were still so bad. She was trying to do the fucking thing with her phone, the second light. It's like, dude, just hold my phone and take a bunch of pictures. You will get a good one. Why are you trying to be all fancy? Stop. You, you don't understand what this means to me. <laughs> This is my way of getting closure is to be spiteful. Ugh. Anyway, they were all bad. And the one that I did, we walked out and I was like, I guess I'm not putting one on Instagram. And that's the, the takeaway for the night is that I learned that, you know, I, uh, I didn't need to do that to feel better. I just needed to have the night with my friend. And it's not about the pictorial evidence. It's just about the night. And, uh... I got home and uh, Blake and Liz were having their last night in the place. They had a bunch of friends around and I didn't really feel like, uh, I felt like I just wanted to come in my room and read a book and chill out. So I stayed out there for a bit and I told everyone the story and how the night went and one of our mates was very excited for me and then another one of our mates was like, yeah, that's a good like ending scene to the movie that you didn't put the picture up and then they were like, it's not a scene, it's a real, that was funny. There was a big argument and people laughing and I was like, all right. Peace, I'm going inside. Uh, and then I did put the picture up on Instagram. <laughs> I just chose. The first picture was actually the best one, so I put that up and fuck it. I need my fucking, I need my little moment, so I put that up. Um, I'm not sure if she saw it. I, I, I might find out, you know, in months or years in the future if and when we ever talk again, but... Oh, that was nice. It kind of felt like a... Uh, and then, and then, this is fucking good. All right, maybe this is... Uh, oh, what can I... No, all right, all right. I know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to uh, do... Oh, my God! Ah! What? 
Jesus, fuck. I just got a message from a fucking job. I think I'm starting a job tomorrow. Oh, I don't want to do that, but I can. I fucking guess. I got a job. Damn it. <laughs> I just got a job at the place that I was working six months ago at the start of the year delivering things. All right. Well, that throws a bit of a fucking spanner in the works, doesn't it? Okay. Anyway. Oh, this is an emotional podcast this week. Just open my phone up and find out that I start work tomorrow at 9am. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fucking fuck, shit fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's good to have a job, but it's also bad to have a job. Um, I wanted to talk about this that I saw. Where is it? Um, journalists at the age express a lot. So basically, as I mentioned last week, I want to talk about one thing that's not from my life every week, that's not from my personal life, because I feel like I'm getting pretty good at analyzing my personal life and asking myself how I feel about things. But uh, I probably need to be a bit better at um, noticing stuff that happens around me that doesn't have anything to talk uh, that doesn't have anything to do with me. And I thought this this week was um, something that was pretty interesting. I saw an article on the Guardian, which is funny that it's on the Guardian, saying uh, journalists at the age express alarm over increasing politicization and loss of independence. Um, so basically, the uh, I don't know if this is good. I think you guys are here. Uh, to be honest, I reckon you guys are going to be here for this and and like support me through trying this idea out. But I really have reservations about whether this is going to be interesting or not. <laughs> How's this for a new segment, guys? I read a news article. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. <laughs> oh my god! Um, basically, the story is that 70, um, 70 journalists from the Age have um, have written a letter to the executive editor of the Age, Mister James Chessel or Kessel something, saying that they um, they feel like the so it's basically Melbourne. People, the Age apparently is a Melbourne newspaper and um, it's supposed to be really independent, but it was bought by Channel 9 or by Nine Media a few years ago and uh, all the editorial control has gone to Sydney. So all of these journalists that are writing stuff for Melbourne, their final kind of say on what they can and can't say is in Sydney. And so they feel like, where is it? Proud reputation of independence, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they believe there's a growing public perception that we have become politicized, a perception that is damaging the reputation of the age and the viability of the business. And um, they feel like the age being edited in Sydney means that the, uh, the, the views or the fucking what people want in Victoria and in Melbourne is kind of lost because the people in Sydney are ignorant of Victorian people's values and what they want out of a newspaper and the fucking local issues and shit. Um, but the one interesting thing <clears throat> that I read in the article that was a, like kind of pertained to the fucking protests this week was um, uh, here is uh, another quote from the letter. As journalists, we've watched with alarm as changes have been made in editorial approach. Our concerns include but are not limited to pressure on reporters to produce particular angles on stories. 
a story on the Black Lives Matter protest that required an apology and an ill-informed editorial that said Australia, quote, does not have a legacy of slavery. Um, so that was a fucking interesting point, is that apparently there was an article published on the 6th of June um, that claimed that... Where was the... Uh, it claimed that activists are planning trouble at the protest... Um, and it said that activists were planning on, on spitting at police officers, but the only thing in the article that supported that claim was an unnamed source, one unnamed source, and that was the fucking headline of the article, Actists Planning Trouble at Protests. Actists? Activists Planning Trouble at Protests. And, um, and it wasn't until six days later that they published online a retraction of the article and an apology, and then a day later until they printed that apology. And that is super fucked, man. I mean, regardless of what the people in Melbourne and Victoria want from a newspaper, you shouldn't be publishing an article with that headline, and the only fucking person who can back that claim up is an unnamed source in the fucking thing. That's fucked up. And then uh, another editorial claiming that Australia doesn't have a legacy of slavery that got facts wrong and had to be altered and pulled as well. So also errors being inserted into reporters copy during the editing process and a failure to understand the values and interests of our Victorian readership. So, um, do I have an opinion on this? I mean, fuck, I was reading before and I thought, oh yeah, I definitely have an opinion on this, on this fucking thing. What I thought was funny is that the uh, article that I read that in was published in The Guardian because it's like, I love The Guardian, I love reading The Guardian, but I still try and be very aware of the fact that any newspaper is, like ultimately it's a business, isn't it? I mean, they keep telling me to donate, but even if you're making money from donations, it's still that's still a business model. You just have to fucking convince people that you they like you enough to donate to the thing. I think The Guardian is important and I have donated in the past and I will again. But um, very funny that they're there taking down what is probably their biggest competitor, I guess, in Melbourne, The Age, is it? That's like a left-wing publication, isn't it? Which The Guardian is too. And so uh, isn't that convenient that the, the Guardian would be the ones to be like, oh my God, big news story. Reporters from The Age are concerned about the politicization of their newspaper and they're scared that it's losing its traditional touch and why the fuck is someone trying to call me in the middle of my podcast? Sorry, mate. No, can't fucking do it. God damn it. That. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I, anyway, was that <laughs> did that segment go well? Um Oh, can't stop. Uh, later, Soz. Fuck. I hate that. I'm going to mute my computer so that doesn't fucking happen again. Is this a good podcast? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, I got one more story. Like, I feel like when I do pods that I feel like, like are going off the rails, people message me and go, man, that was a really good one. That, <laughs> that one was sick. And I'm just like, is it sick? Because someone called me twice in the middle of it and I fucking, I feel so rude. I just sp- said later soz to one of my best friends trying to call me on Facebook. He'll probably listen to this and realize that that was him. <laughs> Anyway, I got one more story. Um, 
So on Friday night, I went, <laughs> on Friday night, I um I went and did this gig, and it felt like the first gig back. Like it really felt like different to, um, I mean the shed gigs that I've been doing. I'm emceeing, you know, so it doesn't really feel like comedy because there's still a lot of pressure on me to deliver a good show and make sure that everyone's happy in the room and the comics are having good sets and whatever. And I don't feel like I can take as many risks. But on Friday, uh, Ty Corliss, a big shout out to Ty Corliss, uh, who's a comic in Melbourne as well. He had come and just been in the audience for the week before in my shed and, uh, He'd been talking about that gig to some of his friends and they were like, we could do one of those as well. So he had a gig in his lounge room and he booked me, thank God, um, for a set there. And so I didn't have to MC. I could just go on and do a set and take some fucking risks. And I'd written a couple jokes about the breakup and um, I've written a joke about my experience at the at the protest and how that was probably coloured by my emotions surrounded, like surrounding the breakup, you know, like uh, people's reactions uh, because of the obvious reason or is there often something else at play is kind of what I'm trying to say in the joke. And so I go on, I talk a bit about stand-up and I talk a bit about being excited to be there and just before the show, I see this guy walk in who was one of the girl that I was seeing, one of her like close, close friends. And I see this guy and I'm a little like, oh, but good dude. So I'd say hi. I'm like, hey man, what's up? You know, nice to see you. The show starts, he's sitting at the back, I go on, I do a couple of those jokes about the relationship and uh, not mentioning any names and then I say, the second joke didn't really get a big laugh and uh, I said as just a way of getting out of it, oh, everyone, by the way, you know, I feel kind of weird doing these jokes because one of her best friends just walked in, he's sitting over there and I feel so weird doing these jokes and this guy I, I think from what I can tell, decided to play dumb, decided to pretend that he didn't know what I was talking about when I started mentioning the girl because he was like, what, me? And I, you know, I'm bad with faces. So I started thinking I've got the wrong person. So I'm like, it's you, right? It's And I said his name. I'm like, it's you. Yeah, I, met, I was at the protest with you on Saturday. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know your girlfriend, man. And uh, in that moment, I just this girl was very reluctant never let me call her my girlfriend never let us admit that we were in this thing together was always very much trying to keep it at a distance which i really resented and i now understand that that's a legitimate fucking thing that she was doing she just didn't feel comfortable in a relationship she didn't see a future in it but it always was a like a source of a bit of hurt for me that um she just wouldn't tell anyone in her life, let them even know or whatever that we were seeing each other. And so when he said that, I was like, oh my God, like he was with us and didn't even realize that her and I were seeing each other and that fucking hurt. And so I said like, oh man, that's crazy that you didn't know. This is exactly the problem is like I was seeing and then I said her name. And um, as soon as I said her name, like 10 people in the audience were like, oh, that person, like, oh, like, and they all knew who she was and were like, oh, you mean the, like, they were all their fucking friends. So suddenly of the 20 people in this audience, like 10 of them know the person that I'd just been talking about. And I 
didn't say anything bad. Like I asked them, did you like me before? And they went, yes. And I was like, do you like me now? And they went, yeah, you're fine. It wasn't like I had talked shit, but it was still just like, this is so, this is now my worst fucking nightmare to be in a room trying to talk about this thing that I've just gone through and do the thing that I fucking love, the place where I can kind of come and let my fucking shit out and try and make people laugh about it and and feel good about it myself. (coughs) And the first time I've been able to do that properly in three months, all of the people related to the person that I'm trying to talk about are right fucking there. And I... (laughs) And I... um. I tried to, I, I wanted, I had the idea, because it was a Friday night, man. I had the idea that I would um, hang out for a bit afterwards and, you know, just meet some new people and fucking chat and, and have a party. Some guy before the show was like, hey, do you want some, like there was some, I was like, saw him taking mushrooms and he was like, do you want some? And I was like, oh, not yet. But in my head, I was like, maybe later though, if I'm feeling good, fuck. And, you know, I've, I can't bring myself to not say this. I'd seen, like, a few girls around the party. I was like, oh, there's some cute girls here, you know. Why do I feel the need to say that? Because I want to admit the kind of person that I am anyway. <laughs> just that was it, right? You go to a party. Maybe there'll be a cute girl there I can hook up with. I can take some drugs. I can laugh, meet some people, whatever happens, you know. But then that happens. And while I'm on stage, I'm feeling good about it. And I managed to get it back. And it actually felt really good to have that happen in the set because that kind of, uh, that kind of like in the moment adrenaline thing is like the shit that I love so much about comedy. It made me put me back on my heels and made me kind of fight to get the audience to win them over again. And then I did some jokes and I, you know, called the emotional tension of the moment and whatever. But as soon as I got off stage, the show finished and I was outside standing with the other comics and these fucking three girls just walked up and were like, so tell us of the jokes that you were going to do about bleh. <laughs> and were just like making fun of me for it. And that it was all good natured. But as soon as that happened, I was like, yep, I cannot be here. Not for another fucking second. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like got the fuck out of there, got home and messaged a few friends and was like, oh, I feel sad. God, that really. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. That was my week. And I think that's the podcast. For this week, I have got a song coming up next that I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be good. It's uh, the song is called uh, Kwame Nkrumah by Koji Radical, which I heard last week and I've only listened to it a few times, but I really liked uh, it's like Kwame Nkrumah evidently was the first president of uh, Ghana when it became independent. Let me just check my facts on that, but I think that's right. Do, 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 do. Yeah, first president of Ghana led Ghana to independence and envisaged oh, where the fucking fuck is this cunting thing? Um, led Ghana to independence, yeah, from Britain in 1957. Um, and so the song is, uh, I guess it's a protest song. There's a lot of anger in it. That's what I kind of noticed. This guy is a, uh, black rapper from the UK and uh, the beat is like really intense. It's kind of minimalist, but it's very just like pulsating and 
Then there's like big fucking loud percussive things in the chorus as he says, uh, what does he say? They feel like Joey Montana. No, they think they're Joey Montana. I think I'm Kwame and Krumah. And he's like yelling it. And look, to be honest, I don't really know what specific thing the song is about, but uh, it sounds like a black guy singing a protest song and he's angry and it kind of just felt right, I guess, for everything that I've been talking about and what's happened this week. And it's just a great song. So that's what's coming up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. If you have Aiden Jones, com- Aiden Jones Comedy on Instagram, sitting under podcast for the picture this week. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. There's been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Selfish if I prayed for patience When the only time I do is when my soul feels vacant See blues in the muddy water Sing my sorrows in the truth Is a poem still a poem if it's self-centered Find I write just to center myself See the proof, one breath out for relief Another in begin to vent, preach peace Take a couple nines to the one percent Oh I must be I was given up with an option Propped up to position by leaning on all my problems Hit a dialogue, know what they pay me as I'm human, don't we share the same species? If I must be the radical, don't shoot me for a retweet Sing about me Sing my lows as well as victories Teach my wrong and speak my history Craft just how they remember me A man of action and a thought And of course a couple daisies by my corpse So I must be, trust me You agree and I'm the hero If you don't then it's fuck me I don't talk my truth for hugs I don't need you all to love me just to listen Forgiveness or permission I've been around the kings I've been around the victims I've been around the queens I've been around the riches I fasted with the Muslims I prayed with the Christians I've been around the desperate I know why they did it I've lived through the evils I've stood with the people And they look at me
While looking up what's mine like a privilege By far the greatest wrongs are inflicted on self The weight of our opinions now dictated by wealth Weight the position of my passion now placed on both shoulders I will speak for the ones who see hope but feel hopeless I was born with the gold embedded deep in my roots Where a couple of them cities pay police not to shoot Your people have seen war but they do not have a clue My people have seen more where compassion as the proof My daddy was a member of the CPP If ignorance is what they teach then they need not preach The blackest star may shine bright Guide my feet forever forward through heavy waters like it's not that deep I find the nerve of my peers unsettling Willing to sell evil to their people to profit of their people I was looking like a prophet to my people But I never asked nothing of my people Simply spoke to my people now They look at me They look at me ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry and our keep stock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.